0: Unlocking what was cool, hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Subway that three years ago I was a nobody. Now I'm a host of a moderately successful video game
1: podcast. And that man turned out to be Elon Musk, Neil. We're live.
0: Yes. Oh, well, Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. It has been three years since we started doing podcasting. Can you believe it?
1: That is crazy, Neil. Three-year anniversary. Um, May 20th, actually, was our, our official date in 2020 that we started the podcast uh way back then of just two guys uh, not knowing what we were doing yet uh, and putting out episodes we have episode zero that we've never actually put out fully Uh, it's pretty funny because it's (laughs) it's just us kind of talking about random stuff and um and the gamecube uh, of course and uh, i did put a couple snippets in this easter eggs uh in our last GameCube episode, I believe, and in one of the April Fools ones too, I think. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's funny to to hear us how we've grown uh, in ways. We've we've grown in terms of uh, being better podcasters. We've also grown our fan base. We have people who actually listen to us every uh, every week, which is crazy. Uh, you stated that you uh, we got twenty downloads uh, in that first day or first week, and we were good. We're like, that's good. I think we can actually just stop podcasting. But <laughs> three years later, we didn't get the memo, and we're still going.
0: That's right. We we should have quit a long time ago, but we're still here. Uh, I don't. Who knows why we're uh, we're still doing it, and we're on to new and exciting topics now. We talk. We cover some new stuff, like our episode today. We're going to be talking about probably the newest video game that we've ever talked about, but we're going to get to that a little bit later. You and I went to a concert last week. We saw the Blink One Eighty Two. Is this their third reunion tour? I don't know. But Tom DeLonge is back in the band, and uh, it was you, me, friend of the show. Brandon, Marty, Jed, and uh, Nicola, and it was a it was a fantastic time. What did you think of the concert? Seeing Blink One Eighty Two live in Toronto?
1: Oh, it was fantastic. It was so it was so it was surprisingly very very good. And they were man, they were keyed in. They actually sounded great. have uh, common knowledge that Blink is not great live, and they've never been. They basically say that they suck live. Not not no effects level in that sense, but but they certainly acknowledge it. And I saw them ten years ago when they they came back together. Uh, And they had just put out uh, the EP Dogs Eating Dogs, of course. And Mm -hmm. that was a terrible terrible show that was not a good show uh tom just wasn't there uh mentally for sure uh mark and travis definitely looked like they didn't want to be there that the honeymoon phase of the reunion was certainly over and then a year later they uh they were done again and then and then good old matt uh skiba came in the band so uh it, it was nice having a little redemption arc there and having a great set list too with uh, not having six songs from neighborhoods like last time
0: Oh, God. Yeah. the Only two songs from Neighborhoods. We saw Up All Night and Ghost on the Dance Floor were the two, which are they're fine songs. I like yeah. Up All Night's all right. I'm not a huge fan of Ghost on the Dance Floor. Nothing off of Nine, their newest album. The Matt Skiba era of Blink-182 will always be a divisive, what was that, three, four years from 2016 to 2020 uh, i i like both of those albums california and nine i yeah. knew that they weren't going to play anything off of nine that was my prediction uh it was nice to see two songs off california yeah. with cynical and bored to death i thought tom really struggled on cynical but bored to death actually sounded pretty good uh with with tom doing the guitar and vocals uh, really? yeah. yeah the hype around that show was really good they're funny again which is nice to see because i saw them the reunion tour in 2009 Back when they were touring with, uh, I looked at the uh, the set list or the um, the openers, and it was uh, Taking Back Sunday and Weezer were the opening <laughs> bands, which was that was a really good opening. We saw Turnstile open for them this time, which Turnstile are a great band. Did not fit this audience no. at all. They're more of like a, a hardcore uh, punk band, and uh, no mosh pit at all. Uh, tiniest, <laughs> maybe ten. If, if anybody from Toronto at that show are listening, the ten people in that mosh pit, you guys are the heroes of that concert because oh, yeah. you. you you were going all out. But yeah, to see Blink One Eighty Two, the trio back again, not with Scott Rayner, of course, but with Travis Barker <laughs> on drums, Tom DeLonge on guitar. A lot of references to the uh, the old days of Blink One Eighty Two, with references to the nurse and the the cracked out bunny. Uh, the songs, I loved this. I thought the set list was a very good choice of everything. Pretty surprising how little there was off of Enema of the State, though. I think other than the big hits like uh, What's My Age Again, All the Small Things and Adam's Song, they only played. But yeah, I, I remember like about half, maybe like five or six songs in, I, I went over to you and I was like, they've played nothing off Enema of the State yet. And uh, it was weird because it took them a while to get to that album being mm-hmm. their probably their biggest hit. But they're playing uh, two shows in Toronto. We're, we're only going to one of them. We only have enough funds to see them once. <laughs> yeah. uh, very expensive show. Uh, but uh shout out to anybody going to both shows and I hope that they stick around uh now I hope that they don't disband again because this just feels right in the world
1: it did feel right and watching it felt very i had there was a big smile on my face um yeah. watching it again and and very nostalgic for sure it was uh it was good times and i'm i'm glad that uh that they're back for now we'll see if uh, they end up putting an album out edging not the greatest single maybe there'll be some some better things coming there but um something that did come out last week Neil is tears of the kingdom uh, the zelda game that we've been waiting for for so long now it's out it's here i know tears of the kingdom is here (laughs) if you want to
0: call it that very exciting time Uh, we're finally getting a new zelda game it's been six years since the last one which was about the same gap i was thinking about this the other day about the same gap between skyward sword and uh, breath of the wild i have the
1: actual gap actually
0: Was that seven years between the two of them? No, this was
1: six years and three months between uh, Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom. And Skyward Sword Breath of the Wild was actually only five years and six months.
0: Oh, wow. Okay, and we had a couple of 3DS games thrown in there, too. Of course, with this gap, we also had uh, the Link's Awakening remake, and we had a Skyward Sword remaster as well. So there's been a little bit of Zelda out there. It's not like it's been completely dry for the last... uh, Last six years and two months, but uh yeah, we, we've we've had some hands-on experience now with Tears of the Kingdom. It's only been out for a short while at the time of recording this episode. I'm maybe only an hour, an hour and a half in, but top level. I mean, it brought me right back into Breath of the Wild oh, again. Yeah. Like the music is the same, the HUD is the same, all of the menus are basically exactly the same. It feels like I'm playing. I am gonna. This is doesn't. This is not a bad thing, but it does feel right now like I'm playing Breath of the Wild DLC. But that's only because I'm very early in the game, and I'm sure it's going to open. Up, but right now it's uh, it's great. I, I love Breath of the Wild. I've talked a lot about it. It's my it's my favorite game of all time. It's my favorite game on the Switch, obviously, and more of that is is fine by me. I'm sure that they're going to do some new stuff. I love the new characters that they have incorporated so far. Uh, the voice acting is still just as cringy as the last game. Yep, yep. Graphically, it looks I- identical to me, uh, but that's totally fine. I'm not going to uh, go into any spoilers right now because obviously not everybody out there listening has played it yet. But what about you, Mike? What's your uh, your surface level experience with the game so far?
1: Yeah, it's, it's bringing me right back to Breath of the Wild Memories. It was really fun to play it. Uh, kind of in the morning. I love playing Zelda in the morning. It's a good, especially the... That piano. The piano, the Breath of the Wild series, as I'm going to call it now. I love playing those because of the music and, and the atmosphere, the outdoorsness. Like, I, I got to give them credit again. The the foley art, the the sounds that they do in this game when you're walking on certain surfaces uh, are, are so good. Like, it really, mm-hmm. really does make you feel like you're in that environment. And so, yeah, just like Breath of the Wild, of course... That's, uh it, it, it works really well that we're going to be talking about some <laughs> breath of the wild today <laughs> now that Tears of the Kingdom is out. but yeah it's it's such a it's it's such a good experience so far. I think Nintendo you know wanted to take their time and really do this sequel right. And I was thinking, Neil, this is a really interesting thing because this is probably the only time that Nintendo has ever put a AAA game out late in a console's life that's not going to be on another console.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about that. I don't know. Uh, like we don't. We still don't know what the Switch Two is going to be. Whatever the successor is to the Switch, and w- will this game get an HD or a a 4K port to its next console, maybe. Probably. Uh, but you're you're right. It is interesting. The last time we saw something like this was with Breath of the Wild being on Wii U, and then even before that, we we love Twilight Princess. That was a very late GameCube game, also on Wii. So that it is it is strange. You're right. I thought that this was going to have a much quicker turnaround, more like uh, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask being yeah. only what was that four years, Two three years. and a half to four. Two year? was it? Yeah, I guess only two two yeah. two and a half years, depending on the month, I guess. Yeah, very quick. But they made this game huge again. I figured this game was going to be tighter and dark. It seems like it is going to be dark. I, I think it's it's not tighter, that's for sure. <laughs> I, I did think Breath of the Wild 2, as we had called it up until only a few months ago, was going to be back to the linear story mode, but with the Breath of the Wild engine. But it's not that, and that's why it took them uh, six more years, I guess. So yeah, that, that's a very interesting, uh, interesting point that uh, it's not a cross-generational game. I feel like the Switch still has... Has probably another at this point two years in it probably until they come out with a new console it feels like it's not going to be next year i don't think that we're no. going to get a switch 2. but there was some energy in uh in toronto yesterday i was driving around the city i was working but i was driving around and i saw mike i saw maybe three to four not including the store i went into but but maybe four people walking around toronto with GameStop bags clearly with switch games in them and it's just it's so cool to see like like you don't get this every every with every game release but it, it i felt like the city had some some Zelda energy in it i drove past a few game stops outside they had massive Zelda banners i mean you know all about that you went to the midnight release at young and dundas square that's
1: right yeah i was midnight release standing in line with like honestly thousands of people there's a uh... Good, good news articles written about it, saying Zelda fans lined up for hours <laughs> to get a glimpse of the new game. Uh, it, it was, you know, it was a lot standing around, but mm-hmm. I, honestly, it was kind of cool because I don't think we're gonna get that again for a long time. Uh, when we got our Switch on March third, twenty seventeen, like with you and I both got it that day, and that was actually kind of a cool experience. Uh, it was neat to. To go in this, and there were ne- not nearly as many people uh, back then, for sure, because we no. did not know what Nintendo's future was going to hold. So it was neat. Being part of something from the ground up, definitely had that with Breath of the Wild. And that brings me to our next segment, Neil. It's some NFT talk. No, it's not Ooh. about uh, those lovely little crypto thingies, whatever NFTs are. It's about... Fungible
0: tokens. Fungible yes. token.
1: It's about the <laughs> Nintendo Financial uh, Times. It's their report. Uh, we're now at $1 billion Switches, no, not switches sold, but 1 billion software sales. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 1 billion plus, switches. which is a lot of switches. Uh, 125.6 million switches now, which is pretty crazy, getting closer and closer to, uh, to the top At the list there for sure a couple of things that are interesting i mean we have our normal top 10 we got mario kart animal crossing smash breath of the wild sword and shield odyssey scarlet and violet uh, mario party uh last two there's new super mario bros U and ring fit which i thought were kind of interesting both at 15 million a piece now which is is really impressive um and then obviously tears of the kingdom is probably going to slot in there i i would say that'll it probably slot in around where breath of the wild is just because Most people who have a Switch are probably going to buy Tears of the Kingdom. You're probably not buying a new Switch to buy it, but uh, you're certainly buying Tears of the Kingdom if you have it. So it'll be interesting to see where that lands in the top 10 in a year from now.
0: I know, I was thinking about that too. Like, I don't think it's going to sell as well as Breath of the Wild did because, like you said at the beginning of the NFT report there, about 126 million Nintendo Switches now at this point. Uh, That's very good, but not 126 million active Switch owners out there. Mm -hmm. A lot of those Switches have been Put away. They're not being used anymore. People have either grown out of them or have moved on to the more powerful hardware now with PlayStation 5 and Series X or PC. So let's say maybe half of that. There might be 60 million active Switch users. Um, I, I, after seeing yesterday, it seems like Tears of the Kingdom is going to sell like gangbusters. I would like to think that it's going to outsell the bottom three in that top 10. So yeah. Super Mario Party, Super Mario Bros. Uh, Switch, and then Ring Fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like I, I would like to see it beat out those ones. I don't think it's going to outsell the Pokemons and the Odysseys and the Breath of the Wilds, and certainly not Mario Kart Eight and Animal Crossing. No. So that that's about where I would slot it. So probably in the is that around twenty million units
1: sold? I believe. Yep. Yeah, around twenty. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's probably about right. I I would still love to see another big Switch game come out, like a three D Mario. I feel like that that is another one that adds a lot of hype uh, to. The Nintendo fans like it's just that Nintendo community uh, we love Zelda and we love Mario those are kind of the two big ones yep. so I would like to see another Mario game like a Galaxy 2 uh, come out before we uh, before we put the Switch to bed but uh, we'll have to see uh, what will happen we have a couple of years left I would love to uh, after about 100-200 hours of Tears of the Kingdom I would love to cover it on this show with you and I'm sure our listeners would enjoy that too
1: yeah, I'm sure they would definitely. We'll, we'll have it at some point. We might even do a Patreon a review for it. And that brings us to our next topic, actually, Neil, which is we saw the Super Mario Bros. movie. And, mm-hmm. well, we enjoyed it for sure. But if you want to hear our entire review of it, go over to Patreon, uh, uh, subscribe there, and uh, you can listen to us uh, rave about uh, how Waluigi was not in uh, the Mario movie. Really upset about that. No
0: Waluigi, no Lanky Kong, no Wario. It's crazy how many characters were missing, but no, that movie was absolutely terrific, and uh, we did cover it over on our Patreon page. You can support us at any level. You'll get access to that episode, as well as all of the other stuff that we've done in the past. I can't remember all the bonus episodes that we have done, but speaking of our Patreon, uh, Mike, today is our Patreon-elected episode topic, so why don't we jump into today's uh, topic of the day? Let's do it, Neil. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 12 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast, the show about all things retro we love from our childhood. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one podcast on the internet, hosted by people named Mike and Neil. You can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash unlocking what was cool. Supporters at the $5 level get to submit a topic and vote on our monthly Patreon Elected episode. All patrons also get the show ad-free and a little early, and you also get access to our Super Mario Bros movie episode. Last week, we talked about the classic 1998 Jim Carrey film, The Truman Show. If you haven't already, go back and check it out. This week, we are tackling our monthly Patreon Elected topic, which was submitted by AJ Olsen 11 and won the election with 38% of the votes. Other topics were the Star Wars Clone Wars animated series, the cartoon, simple plans, no pads, no Helmets Just Balls. I love that album. And once again, NHL Slapshot on We was in the election (laughs) and did not win uh, so four topics of the month, and uh, Breath of the Wild is the winning topic. So thank you so much to everybody who submitted a topic and participated in the election. And if you uh, if you didn't, if you forgot to submit a topic or vote, don't worry. We will be posting the topic submission again at the end of this month, and you can vote again for the the June topic. But Mike, today we're here to talk about Breath of the Wild, which was released on March third, two thousand and seventeen. Developed by Nintendo EPD, published by Nintendo. It's on Nintendo Switch and Wii U. Love the Wii U. Rates a 10 out of 10, almost everywhere, priced today at around $50 on Wii U and still $80 on Switch. It's an action-adventure open-world Zelda game, of course. You probably know it by now. It has sold 29.8 million units on Switch and a modest 1.7 million units on Wii U. I've only ever seen one copy, and that was friend of the show, Zaffer who brought it over to my house. Uh, That was an experience to play Wii U uh, (laughs) with uh, Breath of the Wild. It was very strange after playing 100 hours on on Switch, but uh, this was the final game the final Nintendo game on Wii U, but uh, yeah, let's jump into it. What were your early memories of picking up and playing Breath of the Wild back, way, way back in 2017?
1: <laughs> way back in the day. That's uh, uh, Also, I'd like to point out that there was a higher attach rate on the Wii U for uh, Breath of the Wild than there is <laughs> uh, for uh, for the Switch and, uh, and Breath of the Wild, so that's, that's pretty funny. But yes, mm-hmm. Breath of the Wild, March 3rd, 2017. Of course, I remember it like it was yesterday, but I'd like to go even further back, Neil, because we have technology, we have technology <laughs> that uh, that can show us uh, uh, what was happening and what we were thinking in 2017 uh, of course you know mm-hmm. we, we talk all the time we have a friend group who talks um, all the time as well talking about video games constantly and we were not too impressed with Nintendo in January 2017 we did not think too highly of them uh, of course uh, coming off the Wii U we knew the NX was coming soon uh, and we were all pretty upset about the delays with with uh, Zelda because we were hoping for a Zelda game in maybe like 2015 and yep. uh, we we never got it uh still waiting on it for sure 2017 comes we get the announcement for the switch and then we get a Nintendo direct on January eleventh I think it was January thirteenth 2017. And uh, we were all pretty hype about it. They, they showed off the Switch. They showed some new games coming. And then the final part of it were snap their fingers. <laughs> we saw the first uh, trailer of uh, Breath of the Wild. And then we just saw March 3rd. 2017 come up uh showing that it was going to be released with the switch we were all super super hype uh, uh me saying day one let's go boys hype train is here uh our friend of the show john saying you idiots thought it wasn't going to be a launch title <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely um uh, but it, uh, of course i picked it up like you did day one uh at uh at my my local game store and immediately brought it home and started playing it and I, I I don't remember too much about the first time I played it uh, that night, but I remember the morning when I woke up March 4th uh, with my Zelda in bed, obviously. Uh, <laughs> the Switch and the case were in bed with me. And uh, I woke up, put it in my dock, put it on my screen, and then started playing Breath of the Wild. And there was, like, this revolutionary moment for me. I kind of, like, had to, like, sit... I was already sitting down, but I had to sit down again because uh, I was like, oh, my God, this is... <laughs> This is beautiful. This is amazing. The music, the environment, the, uh, everything that I'm seeing right now. Uh, it was, it was early in the morning. So the sun was coming in the window too. So it like, it felt really, you know, it's the spring air, everything. I don't know. It, yeah. There was something about that moment. I don't even have a picture of it. Um, maybe I'll, I'll post it on, um, on Instagram for, for everybody. But, uh, I don't know. There was something about that moment where I was like, yes, I'm back Nintendo. I'm, I am <laughs> back in a big way. And, and, uh, that was, uh, yeah, that was a defining moment for me, for sure. My video game lore,
0: the history in the Mike video game lore. Yeah, you, you <laughs> took a break in the Wii U era. That was that was a a, a fun and a low time for me because I loved the <laughs> Wii U. I picked it up in like 2014, I guess, whenever Mario Kart 8 came out. Yeah. Right? That's when I uh, that's when I bought it with Mario Kart 8 and then uh, Smash Bros as well. Yeah, uh, and then Zelda Breath of the Wild. It wasn't called that at the time. I think it was just called The Legend of Zelda. U was released at E3 of 2014 with the release window of twenty. And I was hyped then. I loved that trailer. I think it was really cool. Very reminiscent of what Breath of the Wild would be. Similar art style. Link looked about the same. So many fan theories about what the game was going to be about based on that 30 to 45 seconds of uh, Link being chased by a guardian through the forest, firing an arrow. Very iconic trailer. Nintendo fans watched it millions of times. Uh boy boy were we cr- incorrect about that release window. Came out 2 years after it was supposed to. And uh yeah, with the Switch hype coming out, I remember the first Switch trailer or so came out in October, I believe, of 2016. And then the Switch, the very first kind of Switch direct, if you will, was January, and that's when we got announcements like 1-2 Switch, Splatoon 2, I think clips was in there as well, and Breath of the Wild being the big one, they were showing off the tech of the Joy-Cons and it was a really weird announcement trailer or an announcement conference, if you will. It was very strange uh, with uh, translations and, and whatnot. And yeah, I remember having a little bit of doubt around the success of the Switch and what Breath of the Wild was going to be because we had just come off of a pretty rough year being Nintendo fans. We had weird games like that Metroid Federation Force on 3DS, a weird uh, Paper Mario game. Had just recently come out, and a few other duds that Star weren't. Fox Zero. Star Fox. Oh my God, Star Fox Zero is another one. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up.
1: Um, so it was, it was,
0: it was easy to think. You know, the Switch was was definitely up against a big hill to climb, and it was. Yep. But. Day one, March third. I don't know where you were where you were feeling the spring air. I remember it being bloody cold, <laughs> uh picking up the, <laughs> picking up the switch that day. I think it was a it must have been a Thursday or a Friday. Friday. Friday there we go. Uh I managed to get the day off of work. Uh I was working full time. I had just started working full time when the switch came out. So it was a very uh very transitional period in my life, leaving school, basically up mm-hmm. uh what, uh two months? I had maybe been working for about two months full-time before the Switch came out. So it was that transition of really moving into adulthood when the Switch yeah. came out. And I had pre-ordered all of it. I had pre-ordered the console, uh, Breath of the Wild, and uh, I bought a case the day that it came out, obviously. And I got the day off work because I had a doctor's appointment later that day. So I figured I might as well just take the whole day because <laughs> I have this half-an-hour doctor's appointment, but I can't work. So picked up the Switch when the store opened. I think it opened not at midnight like with uh, Tears of the Kingdom, but I went in at 9 in the morning, 10 in the morning – and yep, same. a modest lineup, maybe 10, 15 people, not huge, obviously. And I picked up my Switch, uh, brought it home, charged it a little bit, played around with, you know, unsnapping and snapping the Joy-Cons and uh, ran the update on it and put Breath of the Wild in the game, in, in the console, and was instantly amazed. I loved mm-hmm. the graphics, the art style, the music. Uh, even hearing Zelda talk was really cool. But just that very first moment of... I should go back. I never really played open world games on the PS3 or the Xbox 360. I was not a Fallout, Skyrim, Witcher person. So, I had not really had much open world game experience up until this point. So, the moment of Link leaving his uh his uh, I don't know, cryogenic freezing nap and then coming out into the world and seeing the the panor- the panning view of all of Hyrule yeah. and all the mountains and the volcano in the distance and seeing uh the Hyrule temple and the castle in the background i was blown away by that that scene is iconic in video games that moment and then basically just the game saying go and having yeah. no real uh no real instruction on what to do who to talk to, where on your map are you going. You just have the Great Plateau, as it was called, which was kind of like the opening cutscene slash tutorial of the game, teaching you everything that this game needed to teach you, which was a lot, and it did it so expertly well. It taught you how to use weapons and how to climb and how to hunt and how to use some of the the uh, the uh, abilities that you'd be able to use later on in the game and how very few NPCs there were in this, in this section and a couple of enemies in there, and it was just teaching you how the game was basically like, if you can see it, if you can think it, you can probably do it. And this is what Nintendo are masters at, which is gameplay. It was, it was just an amazing experience. I remember it vividly. And I remember again, tying this game to becoming an adult, working full-time. I, I, I associate it with several albums that were coming out in 2017 as well because I logged over 200 hours of Breath of the Wild. And I got to say, I was not listening to the game music the entire time. I was listening to quite a few albums. So I associate this game with bands like the Menzingers and the Smith Street Band, several indie bands at the time that I was into. So yeah, I have a lot of fond memories tied to this game and uh, obviously loved it right away and and still love it to, uh, to this day.
1: It just was such a complete revamp and and really broke your brain for anyone who had ever played a Zelda game before Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that was like for me what the craziest thing about this was I I, and I think we had both been playing the 3ds games at this point uh, because we didn't have a lot of Zelda content (laughs) and we didn't want to play Skyward Sword so it was the Majora's Mask and Ocarina of Time remakes that we would play and that was the closest thing that we had to kind of Going back to this, uh, the world that we remembered as a kid, specifically Wind Waker. And like on our Wind Waker episode, we talked about how Breath of the Wild is, is definitely uh, possibly a spiritual successor to Wind Waker in a lot of ways in terms of the graphics, in terms of the atmosphere, in terms of the way it makes you feel. Like I I, I, I equate Breath of the Wild with that. And maybe that's why I I felt such joy like that first, that March 4th when I used to, I, I put it in for the first time.
0: Yeah, I actually associated it, I, I agree with what you're saying with Wind Waker, especially with the sense of exploration and vastness yeah. of it, and especially art style. This game isn't cel-shaded, but it's not, it, it's,
1: it's, it's... It's not, not it, cel-shaded. It's not, not <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like it's cel-shaded,
0: but it's stylized. I don't know what to say. Yeah. But I actually uh, compared it more to the original uh, Legend of Zelda game on the NES, being very open world, very not handholdy, just kind of you figure it out, you design your own path, you select your own journey, you do what you want to do, you be as powered or as underpowered as you want to be going into the boss fights. So it was kind of the perfect combination of all of the Zelda games up until this point, I thought. But it was very interesting, At being a Zelda fan at the time, like you said, I had played all of the 3D Zelda games up until this point, either on console or on handheld or both, and several of the 2D Zelda games, I'm still missing a few of them that I haven't played yet, but this was a very divisive game in the Zelda community, because it basically threw away The Zelda formula that we had been we had been accustomed to since A Link to the Past and Ocarina of Time in the '90s. It did away with the the seven or eight dungeons. It did away with the the goddesses and the the leveling up in terms of finding new items to to discover new dungeons and to reach new levels. This was very much just like a no no. You do these. However many shrines you want, you collect all these korok seeds. You can use this this one crappy weapon the entire time, or you can go out and find the 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 master sword and your Hylian shield. It wasn't the the. Linked to the Past formula that we had seen up until this point for basically 25 years. And yeah. for a lot of people, they picked up Breath of the Wild and were like, what is this? What the hell is this? I'm not playing this. I don't want to do this. This isn't Zelda. A lot of people still say this is not a Zelda game. It's it's this new Nintendo formula thing. And that's what's going to turn a lot of people off Tears of the Kingdom as well, because it basically is Breath of the Wild 2. And there's a large group of people out there that want to see that return to the Zelda formula. Uh, we'll have to wait and see if they eventually do. I think that I think that Nintendo will go back to making a uh, classic Zelda game again, but sure. you you and I definitely stood on the side of this is perfect. This is what we want in a Zelda game maybe with a few tweaks here and there. but um, yeah, i I, I can't get over how much that sense of discovery and exploration is in this game. Like one of the best jokes at the time was talking to friend of the show Zaphyr about how this is basically like a hiking simulator and him finally <laughs> understanding the appeal of hiking. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I know. I remember that. <laughs> that was awesome. it, it really is. It's like a hiking exploration simulator, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, the even playing Tears of the Kingdom this week, mm. kind of remembering remembering this feeling again with the ability to just do whatever you want and and get to point get from point A to point B in whatever creative way you can think of. Mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a big proponent of that, and especially as I get older, I I, I and played more and more games. I want that customization. I want that just ability. To find my own way to things. That's why I like the Hitman series uh, so much. Honestly, is because you can play that game any way you want. You can go in killing everybody and 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 doing the missions that way, or you can go through the the little uh, ch- uh, quests and challenges that they give you and and make it hard on yourself, uh, or you can find your own way like by accident. And and that's a big one with Zelda. Is there's so many happy accidents with uh, Breath of the Wild. There's there's just constant things that you're like, oh wait, I can do that? Like, I'll never forget when I first started climbing something because I had no yeah. idea. I didn't know I could climb uh, the mountain and go into like the snow and then I start freezing. I'm like, why am I freezing? What's going on? I'm dying. What's... <laughs> oh my God. Like, yeah. there's weather effects in this game. Okay, like, I guess I got to find a way to heat myself up and I guess I'll make some food. Like... <laughs> it didn't give you anything like, like the, the king or the, well, the, the old man gives you a bit of tutorial when you're on the great plateau for sure, but not much. Like yeah, <laughs> he doesn't really tell you a lot that's going on. And, and I remember when you get out of that shrine or the, the his tomb or whatever links uh, where link's been sleeping, and then you go and see the old man at the fire and then you are doing your things. You find your shrines. And I wasn't sure. I remember even messaging him being like, I'm not sure if there's people in this game like are we just alone like i see the um like the temple of time there like and it's all worn down is this like where are we are we like in a long future past here like where everyone's dead uh and i've only seen enemies and even when you get down from the greek plateau you you, it takes a while to actually find a a settlement and people Mm -hmm. and clearly like there's not a lot going on but it was but like there is, at the same time, that was such a beautiful thing with with Breath of the Wild.
0: Yeah, and th- those the, the space in between finding those settlements, as small as they are, it, it's what makes those settlements so interesting because you can go for yeah. hours or days of playing this game and not see a single person or see just a guy with a horse like walking yep. along a path, and that's it. So when you do eventually find... Uh, little villages, which they're all homages to old Zelda games, so uh, it's like Kakariko Village and uh, a Wind Waker town that we'll talk about a little bit later. When you finally mm-hmm. do get to those little towns, you want to explore them to be like, all right, what are they, what are they doing here? Why is it here? What is kind of the main export of this town like is it a? why is
1: beetle here <laughs> well, yeah exactly
0: why is beetle always where i am it's weird yeah you know you want to find out like do, are, do these guys have uh, chicken farms are they a fishing town are there weapons here that i can that i can find is there going to be like a special elixir or a, a recipe that i can find that i can't find anywhere else on this map it makes every discovery that you find so much more meaningful and like, yeah. you, you look out using your your little telescope there you look out into the distance and even if you see like ruins, like an old church that's been destroyed. You want to go check it out because maybe there's some... Some moblins that I can go fight, and or maybe there's a maybe there's a fire that I can go roast some food on, or maybe there's going to be a shrine in there that I can explore and yeah. and defeat, or or there's going to be some korok seeds that I can that I can add to my list of 999 korok seeds that I need to find. Every little thing in this game, you could see it, you could do it. If you thought you could do it, you probably could if you figured it out long enough. I I remember like you what you said about climbing, the ability like Link makes you feel like Spider-Man in this game because you can literally climb. <laughs> yeah everything and again putting ourselves back in the the shoes of a gamer in 2017 a game that came out about two weeks before this was uh horizon zero dawn on ps4 which that was kind of like the two open world games of the year and they came out so close to each other and they were obviously compared heavily and i know a lot of people side with horizon zero dawn being the better open world game the people that at least have played more open world games than me but horizon zero dawn you couldn't climb everything thing, I don't think. And then the what Breath of the Wild added that I adored was the uh the glide. Just yeah, being oh able my god, to yes. that was so just to be able to jump off of every ledge and glide down to something was so cool. It's so simple, but oh my god, it was just awesome. And I couldn't do that in, in Horizon Zero Dawn. And just that little addition alone was enough to I was like game of the year, right here. Just a glide simulator. And then just being able to, like, glide in and, like, dive bomb on on an enemy or, you know, glide to a shrine to go explore it. So cool.
1: Just amazing. Like, uh, the whole – everything about uh, Breath of the Wild when when I first kind of started it up was – was fantastic, and you're just like enamored by the environment, by everything that you're encountering, by the enemies, even, uh, by all the ancient ruins. The guardian all of a sudden appears, and you're freaking out. Yo, yo, you're like, "Oh my god, I know what to do." Um, <laughs> there's definitely a learning curve with it. I died a lot, and looking at some of the messages from March fourth uh, and 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 March 2017, it's us talking about how we're dying all the time. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you die a lot early in the game because you're so underpowered. You only have 3 hearts, you're basically naked. You have no weapons, no shields, no healing potions or anything. You're you're very much underpowered in a you're a small fish in a big pond. But that's what's awesome about the game is as you progress, once you get to that 100, 200 hour mark, it doesn't take that long. But once you get to like, you know, the 50 hour mark, you you are no longer scared of enemies that at one point terrified you. You could go into areas like you said before. You could go into cold areas without dying of hypothermia. That was really cool, and early on in the game where you get put, or I at least, explored into a cold section, and I was slowly dying. And they have that little thermometer in the HUD, which is just telling you you're in a freezing zone. you got to heat yourself up. And I just thought, like, if I carry a torch, does that help? And I went in with a torch, and sure as heck, (laughs) I didn't die because I had a little bit of heat with me. And then a similar thing going into a hot zone. You have to figure out how to cool yourself down. It's just little things like that that made it so cool. The rain I could have done without. I hated it. Anytime I was climbing and it started to rain, sure, it's like yeah. God damn it, because then you can't climb anything when it starts to rain. That's probably one of the, the one of maybe two cons about this game was the uh the rain, which I, I did not like. But discovering enemies in this game was another huge one for me. The moblins and keys and whatnot aside, the guardians were super terrifying. Like these kind yep. of octopus characters. They reminded me of the uh, the spider things from Incredibles, that giant spider robot. Yeah, yeah. Basically like that. This unstoppable Terminator-like insect that would just come after you at all costs and it had these like laser beams that honed in on you and you could the music would swell and you couldn't run away from it you just had to fight it and eventually you you uh access weapons that are better at parrying against it and attacking it so eventually they become way way easier to defeat so the the guardians obviously a super iconic enemy but uh another big uh discovery was the first time i saw a dragon in this game I don't know if oh you ever God. got to those ones, but the giant, like, flying What's... sky dragon. The first time I saw one, I was like, what the heck was that? Do you remember that moment in the game?
1: Oh, my God. As soon as I saw it, like, <laughs> it slowly going by, I'm like, how yeah. do I get here? And I, I tried so many times to, like, try and figure out how to how to get its scales and everything, too. Yeah. It, stuff like that is, is is so cool, and the, the that's, like, a, just another element of the exploration part of it. I know some people play this game normally i was crazy i tried not to face any bosses i actually didn't uh i never faced any of the bosses in the main areas uh i instead just uh went to gandorf at the end or ganon at the end and um and and you fight all the bosses uh first and then you fight ganon uh, that's kind of right. how that works because yeah technically you can just run to hyrule castle and start uh fighting uh calamity ganon and his minions and then win the game like that. You could technically yep. do that. Uh Just another thing I loved about that game where there was nothing off limits to you. There's no barriers. You could, you could be an idiot if you want to and, and, <laughs> and go all the way uh, to the castle and die. Like you could find these memories of Zelda's memories and, or I guess Link's memories and uh about Zelda, about the past. Like th- there was so much that you, you could do if you wanted to. Uh, but for me, it was, it was all about doing silly things, trying to break the game, uh, trying to see how far I could go, sneaking into uh, the village where uh, you have to be a, a woman. Uh, you know, that's a, another, yeah. another great one. All like the, all the, the, the areas uh, were just so, so well done and had such a good flair of Zelda-ness to them. You know, of course there's all these characters and and um, uh, species, I guess, from the past Zelda games—the water, the the rocks, like the all the different elements—and um, and it, it definitely—that's that would be my argument. Where like no, like this is still a Zelda game. Like sure, it's an open world take. And Nintendo is taking a genre that's popular and make putting their own spin on it. Something that they were great at, Neil, in the GameCube era as we've talked about many times on this podcast, uh, with things like Animal Crossing and Pikmin uh, mm-hmm. and so forth, Metroid as well. But with Breath of the Wild, this is just another great example of them taking a genre that they really don't have much experience with and then putting one of their main characters in it and then putting a whole new spin on it. So it's definitely still a Zelda game. There's so many Zelda elements in it. There's so many Zelda characters. And, and the sounds, of course, when you open chests, everything's still there. Um, but it's just a different type of experience and i love that i wish more franchises would take these chances because if you think about it neil this is actually a huge risk for nintendo
0: oh my god it was massive this could have gone horribly wrong yeah and what what's i mean what's crazy to me is that any other developer doing this the game would have been day one bugs patches and whatnot this game worked on the first day which is probably the biggest even if you don't like the game because, you know, you're, you're an old school Zelda fan, you like the original formula, totally get it. Like, I can totally understand that. Not every game is for everybody. Yeah. But you have to admit, this game works, which is incredible. Nothing crashes it, nothing breaks it, really, from what I ever saw, at least. I don't think I ever saw a crash once. Obviously, there's frame rate dips and whatnot, but... Just the way that you can use your abilities in the game and it not break it. Like you can use your uh, like your freezing ability. Like you can freeze Mm -hmm. a rock, right, and beat the heck out of it with your sword. Stand on that rock and then you get fired like a tor like a like a torpedo (laughs) into the distance over the water or into the water or to a different island. And it doesn't crash. Like it works. It happens. Nothing. You see an apple at the top of the tree and you go like, I wonder if I could shoot that apple. And like you do, and it falls down. Like that is cool. Like the whole entire giant massive world is just a giant sandbox playground and also a puzzle at the same time. Like the entire game the entire world is a puzzle. Like you said, you go to certain towns and you can't enter them because you need to be you need to be dressed like one of their, their women civilians or whatever. it's an all female town or whatever it was. Or the Gerudos. Yeah, that's right. Or there's, uh, there's side missions as well that are just massive puzzles as well. Even the Divine Beasts that you mentioned. So you didn't beat any of the four Divine Beasts before <laughs> no. Ganon? <laughs> that is ballsy. But even the Divine Beasts, like they're puzzles in themselves and they're massively reminiscent to me of Shadow of the Colossus. You've got these four giant creatures in the world, a giant elephant, a big fire lizard, a camel, and a big eagle bird thing. Yeah. And you need to figure out a way to to bring them down or to get inside of them. To It's just this puzzle on how you need to unlock the spirit within them and defeat them. And it's, it's really cool. I love those ones. I wish that there was more. Again, probably the only other con about the game that I'd like to improve would be I would love more Divine Beasts because 4 just wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. Um, we get so few of those types of games that I would have uh, would have preferred more. But yeah, like you, you can go and beat those ones in any order that you want. Or you can do what you did and play around the world a bunch of times and then go to Ganon. Or you, you can do what some Twitch players did at the time, which was my favorite, which was just go straight from... The uh, temple that you wake up from right to Ganon and try and beat him with a stick. And people <laughs> did that. And I, I love that you have like everything in between. You can do it. And it's just what makes this
1: game so special. It's so special. I, I, I want to give a shout out to the HUD as well. Um, and mm-hmm. and I remember when I first saw uh, this game and, and you know, started playing it. I'm like, wow, like, like Nintendo has certainly like jumped into modernity. Uh, Here and like modern gaming uh, because this was the first time that I saw such a clean HUD from Nintendo uh, In in uh, in this kind of game like it's beautiful. I love it. Uh, It's 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 super simple Uh, I love the weather showing there the uh, the how how loud you are as well, which was always cool Um, How cold you're feeling how warm you're feeling Uh, and uh, and the little uh, little mini map there and for me I tried never to look at the map. I am uh, not uh, until wow. I like fully was like satisfied with exploring. I almost never, ever looked at the map.
0: Wow. That's impressive. The map I, I opened, I must've opened that map 10,000 times.
1: Oh, eventually I did. Yeah. When I needed to find the shrines <laughs> and stuff, then I was like, okay, okay. Map time. It's map time. But I tried yeah. to find as much stuff as I could without it.
0: Yeah. that That's awesome. I love that. I, I bought the, uh, the explorers edition. I think it's called the breath of the wild. I bought this game twice. Um, but yeah. I bought the the version that came with a um like a guide, player's guide, and yeah. it came with a map as well, which is really cool. Obviously, not super useful while you're playing the game. It's just basically a printout of that splash screen that you get, but super cool to have. I love it. I love the map in Breath of the Wild. And eventually, they came out with DLC. I think it was DLC, not an amiibo, but uh, it would show you your 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 route basically of where you went as yes. a player, and it was just this mess of a line that would go through the map to show like you went from this town to this town to this town, you went around this mountain a bunch of times. It just looked, it looked so bizarre and so stupid and and really had no functionality except for showed you where you hadn't been yet. But just a really amazing thing that this entire time the game was keeping track of where you were. Right. I I, I had no idea games <laughs> could do that, especially after playing this game for at that point 150 hours. Yeah. It was unreal. The DLC was was pretty good. I don't remember much about it other than that and a the motorcycle. ability to the motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, that's so what I was going to say. The motorcycle and then the ability to track Koroks a little bit better. Never actually ended up getting to the 999 Korok Seeds, but uh, Same. it was way too irritating. But with that Korok Seed brings me to my next uh, topic here, which is side quests in this game. There's a total of, I, from what I can tell, there's 76 side quests in the game. I did all of them. Some of them are obviously way more forgettable than others. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll kick it over to you first. Were there any side missions or side quests in this game that, uh, that, you were, that really stood out to you?
1: Oh, for sure, and um, and two, you, me, both of these might be uh, you might have them as well on yours, but the first Probably. one is is of course getting your own house, uh, which is which is a fun side quest and putting all your your swords and trophies and things that you've gotten over time uh, in that house. Uh, I loved and the and the two guys who who sell it to you who are super eccentric, uh, uh very strange <laughs> guys, but uh, but I I I, I loved uh, I loved all their dialogue. It was super funny, uh, and the second one is the one that I remember the most fondly and i i can like remember the day and the time i was doing it and it was the when you're kind of creating your own village on that ah. island uh or Terrytown. Terrytown, thank you uh yep. when it, when you're creating Terrytown, that's basically a whole day to do that it's a long long side quest it, it, if i were to estimate it would probably take you about five to six hours to do okay. that that side quest fully and it was a sunday night or a, it was a Sunday afternoon, I should say, and I think it was at the bar or something the, the day before, and I was pretty hungover <laughs> that 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 morning. And um, friend of the show, Harrison, who I was living with at the time, was uh, also hungover, and and so both of us were just out on the couches, and he was just watching me and on his phone. Uh, and from like noon to six, uh, I played uh, Zelda and just did Terrytown, and I wasn't going. I was only going to play for like a like a couple minutes. And then I accidentally stumbled on the side quest, as 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 you do in Breath of the Wild, and I I got so enamored with it. Of course, you're trying to collect all these materials and 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 all these things to to build a town on this island uh, that mm-hmm. eventually rewards you super well. That you can buy everything right there, and and that ends up being your main source of uh, of materials whenever you need to buy them quickly. Uh, for me, I was always buying ancient arrows uh, there and parts to make ancient arrows. Uh, because I quickly discovered that ancient arrows are by far the best weapon in the game, and uh, especially when you're facing these uh, the lionels or whatever those are the uh, the really really hard uh, guys who are arguably harder than any boss in uh, in Zelda.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of side bosses or mini bosses in there, the Hinox and the. Um the rock, the giant stone taluses. There was one in the desert that I remember being super difficult because they're just these massive grotto-looking beasts. Um, Yeah. Yeah, they're terrifying the first time that you see them. Uh, I love that. That Terrytown side quest is so cool. It's basically like a mini game in itself. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Uh, You're just helping these villagers build their houses, build up their economy and whatever else, and you go – it's just this little circular – because on the map when you first see it, it's just this plot of like an island, little plot of land. It's a perfect circle. And like you can kind of tell something has to go here, but you're not quite sure what. And eventually, it starts to become obvious. As you go back, you see more houses. As you help more villagers move in and construct their houses, it's a really neat little quest. Like we said earlier, there's so few, um, there's so few villages and so few pockets of towns and people in this in this game. It's cool that you get to be responsible for building one of them. Um, that was definitely a standout one for me. There was one that I was trying to, I was trying to find it. I couldn't remember which one it was, but I can't even, I can't even describe it. Uh, but basically it was, uh, it had something to do with, you had to be standing at a certain point where this, in relation to where the sun was. I can't even remember what it, it was like. You were like a sundial and you had to be looking at a, the sun at a shadow at a certain point and then fire an arrow at that shadow and it did something i may be thinking of a completely different zelda game but i remember i needed so many guides for that one side quest because like for the life of me could not figure out what i was doing wrong and it was annoying because whenever you if you missed it obviously this game has a very intricate day night cycle you had to basically skip to the morning and then wait for 11 a.m or whatever it was for the sun to be at the right point again
1: it's definitely a Breath of the Wild. Yeah, you're right. That's I'm, a Breath I'm, of the Wild I'm one, remembering man. this now, but I, 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 like, vaguely, fuzzy.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's so many, and it's been, it's been, it's been, like, five years since I did it. So, there was that. I remember, I think I was going to, like, beach volleyball that night, too, and I was really stressed because <laughs> I really wanted to get it done, and I couldn't think of anything else. And I was like, God, I need to get this done before I go to beach yeah. volleyball. I, again, I have this, this, there's so many little quests, and, like, I remember where I was when I did specific things. I played this game on break at work. So many times I played it on the bus. I played it at that doctor's office the day that it came out. Uh, But another side quest that I remember is uh, in the game, you can, um, you can kind of, uh, I guess, take over or own several horses. You can, if you can tame Mm -hmm. them, you can own them basically. And eventually you do get an Epona horse, which is cool. But there's also a couple where there's one where you just have to find a giant horse and, it's so, it's so weird because up until this point in the game, you see, like, a bunch of normal horses. They look completely normal. But then you come across one that's, like, four times bigger than the rest of them.
1: Yeah, Ganon's <laughs> and it's horse. Just yeah. Ganon's
0: horse. That's the one. And there's the the demon horse as well, I think, is in this one, too, that you find yep. at night. You have to you find that one, which is really cool. Um, so I remember that, that side quest as well. But uh, Terrytown is is the, uh, the big one for me. Yeah. Um,
1: I found Ganon's horse by accident. I remember that. I, I was, uh, you know, as you do, uh, as, I w- as I was doing, I was exploring everywhere, trying to f- uh, go everywhere I could uh, that I-, I hadn't been before. And um, I remember just being like on a top of a cliff and I'm like, There's just a big horse down there yep. and he's not moving because that horse doesn't move. He just stays stationary um, mm-hmm. before the mission starts. So I'm just like, I'm like, can I, can I, can I do anything with it? Can I-? And, and you couldn't, I, I don't think it allows you to jump on it until you, uh, you start the the side quest. So I remember being like, I'm going to pin this. This is a... Uh, we'll, we'll come back here. This This will be something interesting. And then, yeah, sure enough, there ended up being, being a mission for it. I even remember playing it and, again, trying to break the game and, and going in the desert. And I knew that I was super far down the map because it looked like I couldn't go anymore. Uh, right. And I was like, okay. And then I kept going and kept going. And and then there was a the big sandstorm uh, that, oh, that okay. has to happen down there every time you go. And I just assumed that this was like a wall, right? Like where it's like, well, okay, you can't go anymore. This is how they make right. their kind of fake wall into tr- and in the map. But then I realized I kept moving. Like I like I saw on my map, like it uh, or on my little mini map that I I was still moving. I'm mm-hmm. like, this is weird. Like, what the hell? Like, am I am I going somewhere that I'm not supposed to go? Like, am I going off the map? And then you 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 walk like that for quite a few minutes, and you finally reach a ferry at the very very edge of the world there uh, in the desert. And that was such a cool moment for me.
0: Yeah, the sandstorm was cool because the map it doesn't go it doesn't cut fade to black and turn you around. I don't think this game ever does that. It just you just walk off the ledge. You walk off the end of the earth basically. Yeah. That uh, and the map goes like kind of staticky, but you're still on it. I think that you can get around that. I remember with the sandstorm, if you. You can find like a pair of goggles or something and that that helps you through the sandstorm. Yeah. So eventually you can get through it normally without the uh, the vision being impaired. Um, but yeah, like the game tells you, it's always kind of nudging you what to do, but it's not blatantly telling you what to do. Yeah. And there's those little environmental clues about where to go, that there's something here that you need to keep looking either with sound or with sight. It always, it always guides you and it always works too is I can't, Stress that enough. Yeah. Is that this game, no matter what you're doing, where you are, if you're playing it on the on the console or you're playing it handheld, you can always figure it out. And one other thing I need to talk about, just talking about those goggles, are all of the various outfits in the game that you can you can uh, cover yourself with. Uh, Link has different helmets and hats and hairstyles and different. Torso armor and different pants as well are the main ones, and all of those things give you different abilities. I loved the uh, the climbing armor. I think that's what I used the most for the uh, the game when I wasn't in combat because I just wanted to have the best stats when I was climbing. But there's even a Nintendo Switch T-shirt that Link can be wearing, which is really random. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, that. <laughs> that's awesome. There's the uh, you can wear the armor or the uh, the tunics from the old Zelda games. Of course, the green and yellow that we know him uh, best from. There's the the guardian armor that you can get. Do you remember what you or the ancient there's the ancient armor that you can get which looks really cool. Do you remember what to, what outfit you wore you dressed Lincoln?
1: Yeah, mostly the switch t-shirt. <laughs> A lot of times it was the switch t-shirt cuz I thought that was funny. Nice. Uh and, and later in the game you do get his green tunic and and cap mm-hmm. and everything and uh and so then I think for the most of the rest of the game I dressed him as uh basically twilight princess link or ocarina nice. link i guess you could, mm-hmm. you could call him too uh so that that was the main look i had for him for sure and, and i loved the costumes the costumes were amazing the customization in that sense were amazing i i remember when before the game came out in 2015 when we knew the game was about to come out and then it didn't mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh <laughs> i remember a lot of people thinking that you could play as zelda that was a big mm-hmm. uh that was a big thing that that people thought was going to happen and Uh, And then I remember another thing was that Link was going to be blue instead of green. Uh, His outfits were going to be all blue. And then that one actually came true, which was kind of cool how uh, we have a kind of Breath of the Wild skin. And of course, in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, we ended up having Breath of the Wild skin Link there as well, which was cool. So uh, this game clearly has permeated Nintendo's rich history so much now like that they rely on breath of the wild to sell themselves like it it, it was something that definitely transcended video games i remember seeing articles in the paper just or, or and things on tv on the news everyone was talking about breath of the wild like it was it was very very ubiquitous for people who weren't just video game fans or weren't just nintendo fans but everyone was talking about it and like there's a bunch of articles i was looking back uh this week to to, to see what people were talking about when it came out Uh, and, and not in video game context, but in like the New York times had a ton of articles, uh, their, their review, they actually had a review on the game. And I, I can't recall New York times doing a review on any video game. Uh, they did a review on it and said that this is like Nintendo's dazzling reinvention and, and how like it was, it was the, the review was so positive. I've never read such a positive review like that for any game. And then of course it ended up being true. Uh, like everything they said was, Was that yeah? This was, uh, this was an experience and a a complete reinvention of of what it means to play video games. And I think that is the the point to take home for sure. And we're gonna be talking about this game, I'm sure, many more times in the future. Uh, I I know that I would love to talk about or love to talk with um friend of the show and great Nintendo Life writer uh, Kate Gray about this uh, because when she was on, she talked about how she only had what what was it like two days. To play Breath of the Wild and write a review mm-hmm. on it, like oh my god, like that would have been yeah. crazy. Like <laughs> this, this game was like a year for me.
0: I know that was one of the things too that I was remembering about the game when it came out is that a lot of reviewers, like big reviewers too, big outlets, even IGN and, and yeah. some other uh, famous YouTubers or podcasters at the time, they got the game. They had a weekend to beat it, and the campaign for this game takes fifty hours. So oh, for sure. Yeah, it, it, it like almost every time you see people saying that it's it's they say that it take if you play the game, I'm going to say, quote unquote, properly without going through all the side quests, but just doing the main story beats, doing the guardians and the divine beasts and whatnot, getting the proper gear that you need. It takes about 50 hours just to beat the game properly. So if you get this game, let's say on a Friday at best 9 a.m., you have until Sunday night to beat it and review it. Yeah. I remember uh, that Monday morning or that whatever morning it was, the game, the Friday morning, I guess, the game came out. Uh, every reviewer was either sick of the game because they basically just binged on it uh, yeah. or they were absolutely exhausted and didn't want to talk about it anymore. So it kind of put a sour taste in a lot of reviewers' mouth, mouths, which is why game reviews can be a bit of a, a double-edged sword in terms of you know you get the game early and but you also have to rush through it to review it whereas us we gave ourselves 6 years to review it on this podcast which i much prefer uh you can't you can't experience this game in a weekend and expect to get no. a proper you can get early impressions and you know you can i would just forget everything that happened i think if i if i played the game that fast and you'd miss a lot of you know neat little references and easter eggs in the game uh, if you go to certain towns in this game, you'll see uh, references to Skyward Sword, Spirit Tracks, Majora's Mask, Ocarina of Time, the original Zelda, and, and Wind Waker. Uh, one of the the coolest parts about this game for me is that there's a uh, Lauren... I never get this right. Laurelin Village, which uh, looks just like Outset Island from the Wind Waker. I remember finding that one, and I think you might have found it around the same time, because we messaged each other yeah. to be like, Did you find this town? And like <laughs> send a picture, and this is freaking Wind Waker, and it's then Waker. seeing that on... <laughs> It's Wind Waker, and then seeing it on uh, whatever we we're uh, Nintendo Life or whatever it was that we were looking at, seeing other people finding those exact same Easter eggs that uh, that we did was was just so cool. It was so cool to see the internet, the world come together, which we see every so often with games like Pokemon Go and. Uh, Animal Crossing, it always seems to be Nintendo games that bring people together like this. And uh, I hope it happens with uh, with Tears of the Kingdom. People are playing it as we're speaking right now, so uh, I'm sure that those uh, those videos and those reviews are going to start to pop up on uh, on message boards.
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, we'll see that for sure everywhere. Uh, and and mm. even like uh, nowadays, I'll constantly see something about someone found a glitch or something in Breath of the Wild. Yeah and a different way to do something. Like, like for the last six years, it's been non-stop, small trickle of Breath of the Wild news, and, like, people constantly playing it, always finding new ways to to explore. Uh, I know a lot of stuff has to do with the time freezing and the magnets, uh, those yeah. abilities that, that you can do some really fun things with. And, and you did talk about, of course, uh, you talked about how everything works in this game all the time. And you're right, and even playing Tears of the Kingdom this week, I was thinking to myself... Uh, Now that I have more years of experience working and doing working with dev stuff, uh, I was just thinking the amount of hours of QA for this game to make it not destroy. And especially with things like the time freezing, like that's something that that you could that would just break any game so fast (laughs) like there's so many game breaking bugs that you could have immediately. Imagine like Assassin's Creed having something like this, like the game would <laughs> shut down and pop itself out of your uh, PS4. Like if mm-hmm. that happened, it, 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 it's just unbelievable to watch this, uh, really the, the, the QA, uh, of this game. So big shout out to all the, the quality insurance people who had to go through all the different scenarios of what you could do as link. And, um, mm-hmm. and Neil, I would like to, I'd like to take this time and, and read some of the messages that we were talking about, uh, in March, 2017. Sure. Uh, there's there's some funny ones from you uh, beforehand, uh, which where you're saying you're not you say you know what guys I'm actually concerned for Nintendo right now. I'm just gonna put that out there, and this is in January. <laughs> but I'm I an am, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but I am pre-ordering for Zelda alone, which is fair as every literally everyone did. Um, and uh, March third uh, at 5:21 p.m. you said Zelda is fantastic. I'm playing the whole thing on <laughs> handheld mode and it's perfect. Everyone support this thing.
0: There we go. See, see how quickly I can change my... See how fickle of an idiot I am? <laughs> I mean, I, I was not, I was definitely not the only one who was no, no, a no, little no, bit no. Uh, apprehensive about the Switch's announcement and how it was going to do. Obviously, we're six years uh, from that now, and the Switch is the biggest thing in gaming, and Breath of the Wild is my favorite game of all time. I'm glad that I'm on this side of history, though, because if it was the opposite... If I was right, I would be miserable right now. I don't yeah.
1: know
0: <laughs> what I'd be doing, and I would have no Zelda and no Nintendo. I, just, I don't even want to think about what would happen if... Uh, if Zelda failed, but... You yeah.
1: actually said it's your second favorite game of all time on March 8th, by the way, so... Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure what your first was at that point.
0: It, well, it would have been Super Mario Worlds, because that's still my number two.
1: There you go, okay.
0: Before this game came out, that was my number one, so... Within about four or five days of playing it, it had inched up to number two, and then... I must have still been playing the campaign... But yeah, eventually it, it was like, you know, this is this is my favorite game of all time. I don't remember the moment that that happened. I wish I could pinpoint it exactly. Yeah, but <laughs> I think it was just the feeling that I got when playing the game, the the yeah. all of it's just just adding up the the sum of all parts, the death by a thousand cuts, whatever you want to call it. It uh, just slowly made it to number one.
1: I, I and I, what I said on March 4th now, uh, 10, 12 a.m. I said, uh, I said, uh, four hours in and it's amazing. It's unlike any game I've ever played. It's like they saw Fallout and Dark Souls, and were like, "Okay, we can make a Zelda version of this, but not some cheap knockoff. Let's make a better version." And I stand <laughs> by that today. Actually, that's a very good review of Breath of the Wild.
0: Yeah, no, that's a that's a great review. I I love that. It's four hours in the. F- that was on March fourth.
1: Yep. Yeah. So I played. Okay. I probably played about two hours. Uh, or so on March 3rd on the day it came out. And then I guess I, I had been playing since I got up <laughs> on, uh, on March 4th for sure. And I, I, I had that, that lovely picture to remind me, uh, too. And you even said on March 4th, uh, uh, at four o'clock, uh, now, uh, you say, I die all the time. It's hard. <laughs> uh, it's just hard enough, but still fun to explore the world. And then right after that, friend of the show Zafar says, it's hands down the best Zelda game ever made. No arguments. Oh my. And ton of just random letters because he's mashing the keyboard at this point. And, uh, and... It's good, good to see that love. That's funny
0: because Zafar, friend of the show Zephyr was uh, a couple weeks ago before the game came out. I think that we were still waiting on the last trailer. He still wasn't completely sold on Tears of the Kingdom. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what his his reasoning was exactly but it took until the i was i mean i was sold on tears of the kingdom before they even came up with the (laughs) name Zelda
1: came when Breath of the Wild first came out i was sold on tears of the kingdom (laughs) yeah i was was like i'm ready
0: for the sequel now so uh, i don't know he was the one this time around that was uh that was doubtful about it and and then that new trailer came out which i i still have only seen the first trailer i haven't even seen a review of tears of the kingdom yet i have no idea what everyone else thinks of it i love that i don't really care i don't care Yeah, yeah that's the other thing um but yeah, he saw that and he was like, "Oh my god, okay, sold. This is gonna be good. Day one purchase." And uh, I'm I'm assuming he bought it. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's funny how we go through these Zelda. It's almost like the opposite of uh, Sonic Cycles, where every like people like really get hyped for Sonic games and then they are let down by them. Whereas with Zelda, like we're kind of. Is this
1: gonna be good?
0: And then like we're amazed by it. So again, we're on the right side of uh, of fandom
1: here, <laughs> which is good to see. and uh, yeah, And the last thing Neil that I'd like to say before we close this episode out is um, there is one area that you really, really hated uh, when you were first playing this game, specifically on uh, it looks like March 6th uh, now, so we're three days in to uh, <laughs> to Zelda and you uh, were really upset. Do you remember, do you remember what this could have been that that really triggered you? <sighs>
0: What triggered me? What was I said about? Three days into Zelda, I had probably, I'd, I'd, I'd gone to my doctor's appointment, I was back at work. Ah, <laughs> uh, what could it have been? Was it the breaking of uh, weapons?
1: No, 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 no. It just oh. It's just one specific thing that happens. Was
0: it uh, one specific thing? Did it have to do with the tilt controls in the shrines? Yes, the it
1: did. Yeah, yeah, mm, that'll
0: be it. So there's the shrine. There's the shrine where you. Ha- is it the ball through the maze yeah. shrines? Yep, that'll be it. This is what I wanted to talk about. Was the, uh, the probably uh, uh, among the rain and the other things. The only other improvement was the uh, the maze ball shrines were absolutely horrible. I hated those.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of you swearing, uh, and so it, it's it's funny because it looks like this is this is definitely the first shrine you've gotten to. So you think this is the only one, which is funny as well. Uh, yeah. You think this is the last time you'll have to to deal with this. Oh no! You 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 do an at everyone. You let everybody know. You say turning off motion controls was the first thing I did when when uh, when buying this. In in brackets after inverting controls, of course. But no, no, no. This puzzle makes you tilt the (laughs) gamepad.
0: Yeah, that's what I hated. And I'm still the same. I invert my camera controls. I'm one of the 1% that does that. Um, And I turn off motion controls. But yeah, I hated those... We're going to talk about a game uh, next week, actually, that uh, does uh, ball physics way better yes. <laughs> than Breath of the Wild does, funnily enough. But yeah, that that was not fun. I haven't gotten to any of that yet in Tears of the Kingdom. I'm sure that, that we're going to listen back at this six years later because there's probably something even worse coming my way. Uh, I haven't gotten to any of that yet, but uh, yeah, that was that was not fun. I still stand behind that. I did not like those shrines.
1: That's fine. Yeah, that's totally fine. Not all shrines (laughs) were made equal. I did like the shrines that had a lot of Nintendo kind of um, lore in it or other Zelda Easter eggs. There's a lot of shrines with good Easter eggs in them. 120 Mm -hmm. shrines in total, I think there was.
0: Yep, that sounds about right. It's uh, very fun to complete that map to see the shrines that you haven't been to yet and ticking them off the, the check boxes and everything and trying to find like having 119 shrines being like Where the hell is that last one? Yeah. That was rough. That was very rough. But then seeing it in the distance and like pinning it. it, All right. So good. I found it. I'm going there. And speaking of going there, Mike, I think that it's time that we go to the back of the case segment of today's episode. What do you say? Let's do it, Neil. I actually Uh, don't think I've ever read the back of this case. (laughs) There's not much on there. But first, Victor, hit us with that sweet jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading The Back of the Case. Answer the call. The shadow of Calamity Ganon rises over the ashes of Hyrule. Craft your survival. Defend the legend.
1: That's it. Okay, fair enough. That's it.
0: Back of the Case, not much. And even less on uh, Tears of the Kingdom. I won't read it here because this is not a Tears of the Kingdom episode. But, I mean, it's very similar format. I'm not... huge fan of switch cases to be honest with you i was stoked when the switch came out because i was like oh it's psp cases again (laughs) um it's very similar to them but uh yeah i mean like the font on the sides not very creative i don't love the red and the white on every box i like having some uh diversity we'll say like the GameCube or even on Wii, looks pretty good yeah
1: my question would be then uh what is your favorite cover because there are two different covers of breath of the wild mm.
0: there's the Amer- north american version which is link with his sword looking out over the world uh very kind of
1: yellowish you know sun sunset sunrise kind of kind of view that he's got there yeah
0: and then the other one is him climbing a uh mountain right
1: no, the other one is him looking back at you. So you actually see his face oh, right. uh, on the green pasture and well, basically on, on the Great Plateau. And you can see everything down below.
0: Right. I'm thinking of the poster. I think it's him climbing a mountain. Yes. I prefer ours, the one with him looking out over the uh, the world personally. I
1: think so too. Yeah. I don't love the him looking back as much. It feels like... I I don't know. I feel like the North American one. Yeah. Yeah. A bit, a bit. And the North American one feels like I could be that person. I could be link (laughs) where this one is more like link is the character in this game. So I I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Like then this one, you do feel like you're playing as link also with, with our, I don't know, our box art, you've got that beautiful sunset. There's some eagles flying around. You can yeah. see that there's one of the uh, the observation towers or whatever that they're called to, very Ubisoft-like that uh, un- unlock the map. Uh, you've got the castle in the background. You've got Death Mountain in the background. Like a lot of that is in that uh, that PAL version as well, but I don't know. There's just something about thinking that I could be Link in this game that, that exactly. adds to the uh, the enjoyment factor of it. But either way, the game is fantastic no matter what the box art looks like to me
1: yep and we highly recommend this game of course i mean breath Mm -hmm. of the wild this is uh we've we talked about it many times before we've talked about this game and as as i said earlier we'll definitely talk about this maybe like 10 years from now neil where we'll do a a big introspective maybe 2027 actually march 2027 would be really cool (laughs) to do a 10-year anniversary uh and look back on it in uh in four years from now, and then obviously talk about Tears of the Kingdom too. We can see how those two rank beside each other. That'll be really fun. I'll be very uh, interested to see how Tears of the Kingdom and whatever Nintendo does next with Zelda uh, compares to Breath of the Wild, which was, yeah, really just changed Nintendo, Zelda, and video games forever.
0: It did. It did for sure, and it, it brought Nintendo back into uh, the hearts and minds of millions of people, ourselves included. And we already know the future of Breath of the Wild, which is uh, usually what we talk about in this part of the episode, the future of the franchise. We're living in the future of the franchise right yeah. now because we're only a few hours basically after Tears of the Kingdom <laughs> even came out. So that is where Breath of the Wild is going moving forward. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see where the, uh, the Zelda franchise goes forward. We're probably going to have to wait... A little longer, or we're probably going to have to wait a little while for another Zelda game to come out. So hopefully we see some remakes and remasters in that time. Uh, it's crazy to think that we wait basically six to seven years between Zelda games. So everybody, pick up Tears of the Kingdom, enjoy it. If you haven't played Breath of the Wild yet, what have you been doing for the past six years? Go out and play that game first. I wish that I could experience this game for the first time ever again. It's just oh, one yeah. of those games that you can't you can't erase from your mind, but I wish that I could. But Mike, while I'm sitting around here trying to figure out how to erase my memory so I can play Breath of the Wild for the first time again, why don't you let listeners know what they can expect next week on episode lucky 13 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast.
1: On episode lucky number 13, we're diving back into a GameCube episode that we did on episode twelve of the GameCube is Cool podcast, and it is Super Monkey Ball One and Two. I'm really excited to talk about this marble madness type game that we love from back in the day. There was, of course, a remake remaster that came out uh, last year, uh, Super Monkey Ball uh, Banana Mania, that includes everything from these first two games on it. We'll have some friends of the show on to talk about their memories of uh, of these games and and really how unique of a franchise this is and and how um, it's just another great example of, of uh, a game doing one thing really, really well.
0: Monkey Ball is such like, a, it's a video game's video game. It, it's so it self-aware that it's just this wacky, zany, cartoony, puzzle uh, ball physics marble madness game. I was alluding to it earlier with the game that we're going to be talking about. That's It does better uh, ball uh, ball puzzle physics than Breath of the Wild did. Uh, <laughs> I, I love it. Playing that game, it's so bright, so colorful, you can't not be happy playing it. It's so reminiscent of 2000s gaming with that beautiful Uh, Sega arcade graphics I love the the, the sunshine and the water and the green and the yellow of course sponsored by Dole fruit bananas uh, fantastic tie in there Dole bananas really raking in that monkey ball money so it's going to be a ton of fun to talk about that with you next week but until then ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for listening to episode 12 of the unlocking what was cool podcast new episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services leave us a rating and a review so we can make the show better you can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash unlock what was cool all patrons get the option to submit and vote on our monthly elected patreon topic episode Just like today's episode was you can follow us on instagram and facebook and join the weekly conversation on our discord channel Share us with your friends and family tell calamity Gannon neil says hi Thank you so much for the support and we will see you next week. See you later. Bye. Bye <laughs> The Unlocking What Was Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada, and hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Additional voices provided by Victor Young. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters of the $5 level. I Rebel, Dean Donian, Joey Sirico, Marty Thompson, Double Ugly, Bendito, Benito, AJ Olson 11, Pedro Marquez, Cube Dude, Bogus Lotus,
1: Jude, and Way Overrated. Actually, more like see you in six and a half years, probably. See you in a
0: thousand years while you sleep. That's how long he was asleep for, right? A thousand years?
1: No, a hundred, hundred, just a hundred.
0: hundred years. How hungry yeah. do you think he was when he woke up? Because I'm starving after six hours.
1: Well, he clearly had to make, he, he learned how to make recipes and some really zany recipes. Oh, that's another thing we didn't talk about was when mm. you make a bad recipe, the music <laughs> changes and it's like, dum, yeah. dum, 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 and it's just like, I forget what it is, uh, what they call it, when you actually get the bad recipe, the bad food that you can't eat.
0: I mean, it's it's ba- Taco Bell. is It's, it's a bad <laughs> for Taco Bell at that point. And like, Link like looks horrible when he eats it. Sometimes it yeah. even poisons you. Very good. Very good. The cooking is very fun. Love it.